today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. share with you just a couple of, uh, thank you, Kristen, for that encouragement, and if you do encourage me, I will get a little bit more amped, so we'll see how we go, because you know, normally I have problems with energy on the stage, so that'll be good. Uh, I love being a parent. I love being a dad. I know I've told you that a few times, uh, but there's so many things to love about, and I know sometimes uh, parenting, especially uh, young children, some of you have multiple, we only have one, but sometimes you can wake up feeling like a zombie. I get it. It's like the, the child comes in at 5.30 in the morning going, ah, Daddy, holding, he, Elijah has a thing he loves to sleep. He comes in going, Daddy, and I'm kind of like, hello, hey. And I can be up for half an hour, go back to bed and fall asleep, not a problem. I'm not one of those morning people who is like, hi, good morning, how are you? I admire you. I'm not one, but uh, I still love it. I still love being up with him and excited. I like the game they play where, you know, they go, if they had a voice to say it, they go, Dad. Um, we'll make your stomach, chest, and esophagus a trampoline. And then uh, you just lie down and I'll jump on you. You know that game? Some of you know that game. It's a fantastic one. Uh, but I, I enjoy doing that. It's good fun. There's many things I love um, about being a parent. Another one we do is I've started doing, I want him to have a confidence in his strength and in his um, physical appearance. So when we walk past the mirror in in my bedroom or mirror in the house, I go, Elijah, Elijah, ready? And Elijah, he hasn't got this part yet, but he goes, like this kind of like he thinks I'm John Cena and for those of you who don't know who John Cena is he's like a wrestler whose bicep is as big as my entire body probably double the size I kind of look like a Barbie next to him but he's uh to him I look like this massive thing but it's it's a lot of fun I I do love um being a dad it brings me a lot of joy but another thing we do at home that I, I really like we sit down to eat and uh I do this put my hand out to Elijah and he he smiles and goes and puts his hand in mine, and grabs Melinda's hand, we hold hands, and we say, Grace, thank you, Jesus, for the food, bless it to our bodies, amen. And he goes, amen. And uh, it's, it's very cute, and I always get a lot, sometimes I think I say grace just to see him do that, because it, it's cute. But uh, uh, sometimes when we've mince cooked something, or there's something he really likes, and he's hungry, we we'll say, it's dinner time, I put him in his chair, and before we've got to the table, and before we've even given him utensils, he goes, amen. <laughs> puts food in his mouth. He, he kind of missed the point, but I'm sure Jesus blesses it nonetheless. But it's, it's a very cute thing. But, you know, I was thinking about it. There's one thing um, I'm sure uh, my son is confident in, and that is that mum and dad have always got me. Yes, there'll be times when I go through pain. Yes, there's many things I'm still trying to learn. Yes, there's many things I don't understand. Yes, there's times when I want something and can't have it, and I don't get why, why that is. But there's one thing I'm sure... Even at 19 months, there's one thing he is confident in, and that is, no matter what, mum and dad have got me. I can get into trouble. I can do something that I, I hurts myself, and mum and dad will be right there to look after me. And it's amazing what you can learn from a child. I know we talk about maturity and faith, and I believe in that and growing, but there's never a time it gets old. The reality that I know sometimes it hurts. I know sometimes you don't understand. I know sometimes things happen that you can't control. I know sometimes you feel alone and like you have to do it yourself but dad's always got you and he's always there for you. And we can never afford to let go of that reality of the true nature of God, that in his love, he's like, no matter what happens, even if you don't understand, you don't see the breakthrough that I know I promised, no matter if you don't understand what's going on, that I've still got you. 
for all of eternity. And from glory to glory to glory for all of eternity, we can get to know Him and the reality of His love. It's an incredible thing. And this morning, I want to talk to you about something around that. I want to talk to you about faith. Just the simple concept of faith. And if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to 2 Peter 1. Just going to read a scripture for you. I encourage you to get familiar with this scripture. You'll probably hear it a number of times as it's part of our vision for the year. And we really want to dive into this scripture and unpack it so that we can help contribute together to the freedom we experience in Christ. And it's 2 Peter 1 verse 5 and it says this, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound in you, and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. But for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if there's anyone who wants to continue to be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a desire we all have. And this scripture's got so many wonderful keys to that. And today, and for the next few weeks, you'll find uh, we want to do a little bit of a series on this word, faith. What is faith? You know, faith is this thing thrown around it's, it, a lot. We, we live according to faith. We live according to the reality of faith we have in Christ. We, people ask, tell me what your faith is. Tell me about your faith. We have this desire. How do I share my faith? We throw this word and it's a wonderful thing, but have we ever stopped to ask the question, what is faith? And when we do that, we can throw in scriptures like, you know, what Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can speak to that mountain, be ye removed, and it will cast itself into the sea. You, you see Jesus saying to people, go, your faith has made you well. We see, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes or has faith in him shall not perish. We have various scriptures that we can throw around. They're all wonderful. We can say in Ephesians, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, lest you boast, but it is a gift of God. We have the one, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe. I have faith in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's another one, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. And these are all true. And these are all magnificent scriptures, and I love them. Even reading them excites me. But it still doesn't answer the question, what is faith? It's great that it does all of that, but what the heck is faith? And then we throw this one in. It's a wonderful scripture again. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. The Bible defines it, and that's fantastic. But that's kind of like saying rain is the evidence that there are rain clouds, is the substance of a rain cloud, it's the evidence that it's done its job. Kind of like, fantastic. You still haven't answered my question. If someone says to you, there's raindrops coming on them, dude, what's this thing falling on me? It's like, they are the substance of those. They are the evidence that they are doing their job. And that's great. But what is falling on my skin? What is faith? How do you define it? If you look at the original Greek word, it's P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis. It, it has this definition, I'll read it to you, of what faith means. It says, The conviction respecting man's relationship to God 
and divine things, generally with the included idea of trust and holy fervor, born of faith, and join with it. And that's cool. It's a great thing. But I've had the privilege of getting together with a few guys uh, every fortnight. We've been talking about this concept and wrestling with what do we want to communicate faith is. If we could define it as as a cool way of communicating what's faith. It may not be faith in God, just faith in and of itself. How do we communicate? We came up with this definition. If you're writing notes, you can write it down. It says, faith is a conviction causing motion in the direction of our hope. Faith is a conviction causing motion in the direction of our hope. And that's a wonderful thing, but here's the uh, confronting part of faith. And I'll, I'll go into this. Please uh, understand that I understand everyone goes through various um, hardships and difficult things, different parts of life, and I make no assumptions about that with anyone. I want to go into this, though, the way we can have faith in other things and sometimes how it can turn out. Sometimes we can have faith in things like money. And money's a great thing. I, I think money's a great tool we can use for many, many things. But maybe there's people here, you've been in the situation and there's stress around money. If we don't get money, not so great things are going to happen. I'm stressed about money. And what happens in those scenarios, and again, it's not to condemn anyone. We've all been in this scenario, but sometimes it can be like this. It's like, I have this conviction that if I don't sort this money thing out myself, my life is going to fall apart. And we do get a fervor and a fervent desire, and often it comes out in anger, either towards God or other people, because we can't deal with the worry we have. What's going on? It's not that your worry or the anxiety isn't a real thing, and I respect that. But sometimes it's very easy to have a faith in if I can just get more money or if I can just sort out my money, my life will be okay. Money is a great tool, a great thing to be used, but it will never bring us peace. And maybe we have faith in things like uh, confusion. Sounds odd, but sometimes we can be in life and I'm just confused. I don't know what to do next. I feel confused and, and, and I just have this conviction that if I can just help understand everything myself, if I can just mentally go through everything and figure it out on my own and just determine if I can fix this and do that and if this was right, then everything will be okay. Can I encourage you? Having faith in your own ability to work things out is not the place to have a fervent desire and a conviction. It's a great thing to have a mental desire to want to understand things. That's a wonderful thing. But if our faith, our fervor, our great conviction is in that ability, we will not find peace. Maybe faith is in relationships. You know, if I could just get this person to treat me this way, or if I could just get that other person to say sorry for what they did, if I can just get these people to understand my point of view, if I can just get, insert name, to do what I think they need to do, then I'll be okay. It's not wrong to want to work on relationships. It's not wrong to want an apology. It's not wrong to have things you need to forgive. But if our fervent conviction and our desire and our confidence is in people changing so we can be okay, we'll never find peace. Faith is a real thing, a conviction that puts us in a motion in the direction of our hope. But we do need to ask the question, what am I hoping for? And what am I, what's my conviction of what needs to change for me to be okay? And you might say that's all well and good to say that. We can't have faith in those things and we, we all do that. But what does it actually mean then? If those things are, are, are bring us a lack of peace, what does it mean to have faith in God? And I'm sure I could sit across the table with many of you and learn 
revelation upon revelation of what it means to have faith. There are experiences in this room of people who've had to walk by faith, trusting in God, that would have and would absolutely inspire me. But I want to share a scripture with you, and I'm going to need some volunteers shortly, of, I think, something that gives us insight into what it means to have faith in God. What's the result if we were to take our conviction and put it in God? What's it mean to have faith in God? So if you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah 26. In verse 3. It's a familiar scripture for some. It says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. I wonder if you can relate. Let's just say this represents each of our brains, just singularly. This is, well, just, this is my brain, all right? Let's just say this represents my brain. Have you ever noticed that often in life, we have an absolute conviction that God is real, that we love Jesus, He's transformed who we are. And then what we think sometimes outworking faith is, is we do this. It's like, all right, I have this faith in Jesus, and then I'm confronted with life. And what I need to do to get in peace is I need to go, brain, you just need to figure out how to have more faith. You need to take the faith in your heart. You just need to trust God. Like, why are you feeling anxious? If you really trust God, if you really had faith, you would be okay. You just need to, you just need to, why can't I calm down? Why am I so anxious? I'm supposed to have faith. Why don't I have faith? I'm getting worked up. And we squeeze our brain to say, come on, flesh, get into line. Come on, mind, just get into mind. Submit to, and we squeeze our brain thinking that by squeezing our brain and our mind into submission, it'll find peace in faith. But it doesn't work if you've ever tried it. Putting this stress and pressure on our brain to, come on, you just got to believe God and just doesn't work. Whereas this scripture gives a bit of insight as to what faith can do to your mind. It actually gives you permission to do something amazing, even in the face of trial. I need probably four guys. Uh, Jamie, can you give me a hand? Adam, can you give me a hand? Thank you. Uh, I need, Wayne, can you give us a hand? Yeah, that'd be great. And... Ricardo, can you help me? Any of you have any issue of uh, catching me? Would that be okay? All right. The four of you together. Can you come up here on stage? What, I need two on this side facing that way and two on this side facing that way. I need you to like lock arms like this. Parallel arms like that, all right? Monkey grip. Yeah. Now, I'm going to fall back. You need to come down so I can fall backwards. Are you all good to do this? You're not going to hurt anyone's back? You're not going to sue me? Fantastic. I'm just gonna t- we're just going to test it. If I get knocked unconscious, Kristen, you're finishing the message. All right, here we go. I was going to test it. Here we go. Ready? I'm going to fall back. Three, two, one. Oh. Yeah. Just hold me for the next 15. I'm going to finish. No, I'm just kidding. You can put me down again. All right, I need you to hold that position because I'm going to do it again shortly. Yeah, they didn't know they were doing this. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. The assumption is, first of all, there's a faith, there's a trust in God. But then it says, whose mind is stayed. The word stayed there, if you look at the original word, means to lean on or rest into or to fall into. 
So when God says, I've given you faith in your heart, I've put faith in your spirit, and then you ask the question, well, how do I set my mind at ease? He says it's like this. What you do is remember that you have faith in Christ, and you teach your mind to do this. Say, God, I know you are the God of the impossible. I know you have saved me. I know I'm in you in Christ. And right now, I'm going to stop, take a moment, and tell my mind, you do not have to stress and struggle. I don't have to pressure you into submission. Mind, this is what you can do. Because you have faith in God, you can just... And just chill here. Can you pick me up again? That'd be great. You can just... I'm going to do it again shortly. You can just lean into the reality of the faith that you have in God. What does it mean to have a conviction that moves you in the direction of your hope? What does it mean to have that in God? It means that I can have, when my relationship is falling apart and I think I'm to blame and I need to figure it all out for myself or I'm going to lose this relationship and I just feel like if I don't put some pressure on my mind and figure this out, everything's going to fall apart. This is the invitation of faith. It says, no, 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 no. It says, God, everything's falling apart. I've got no clue what to do. I'm freaking out but I trust you because I've believed in Jesus. So mind, this is what I need you to learn to do. You can pick me up again. I'm going to do it one more time. Just once, I promise, just once. Doesn't make sense. Because the world would say, you need to figure it out. You need to work harder. You need to have more commitment. Well, if you would just do more of this, maybe that wouldn't have happened. And the enemy comes and says, aren't you supposed to have faith? Didn't you say you trusted in God? Didn't God say he loved you? Didn't he say he'd work things out for your good? And you can punch that sucker in the esophagus. And you can just say, whatever it is I'm freaking out about, I can, don't deny the reality of how you feel. But I do deny its power over my life because I'm going to teach my mind because I'm in faith. Give me a hand as they go. Thank you, gentlemen. What does it mean to have faith in God? It's okay if you have everything together. And things going smooth. I'm not saying that's a fantastic thing. That's the power. But can, have you ever noticed the lack of creativity when you're freaked out and angry? And even if you wanted to fix your problem, you couldn't because you can't think straight? I heard a stat once that when we're angry, we lose so much IQ that we're almost at the IQ level of mental retardation. That's when we get angry. You ever notice you, make, you do dumb things when you're angry and you sit back later on and you go, what was that? I wasn't even, no, you weren't thinking straight. You didn't have that capability. But what does faith invite us to do? Faith says, your faith's in me, not in your own ability. Your faith's in the fact that Jesus has the answer. You may not know it, but he has it. But your mind cannot catch it until you've taught your mind to rest in the faith that you have. Faith will confront your mind with its natural habits. What's common for your mind is not necessarily normal in the kingdom of heaven. And that's okay, but that's the invitation of faith in God. To change your mind, to repent. Change the way you think. What does it mean to have faith in God? 
means to let you teach your mind to connect with him, rest in him. And if that takes you 40 years, that's okay. There's always a new level of rest. That's why the Bible says, strive to enter the rest that is in him. Because our mind, body, soul, spirit, all that we are can rest in the faith we have in Christ Jesus. And that is where we have peace. And that is the place from which we make decisions about all these other things that can tend to freak us out. Faith in God. And then the next question, I guess, that would pop to mind for me is, that's great. How do I get it? If that's what faith can do, how do I get faith? And there's a scripture, again, you'll probably hear a number of times over the next few weeks. It says, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I believe that, can, that does include, you know, the, the things we learn in the Bible. And I believe in going through scripture until you just wait for God to speak to you. This book has the incredible ability to give revelation upon revelation. But the word, therefore, word is actually rhema word. Not just logos as in spoken or written word. It's rhema. And part of the definition of that is that which is or has been uttered by the living voice. A declaration of one's mind made in words. Faith comes when God takes his heart and the way he thinks, as we can see through scripture, causes it to become a revelation to our spirit, which in turn transforms the way we think and the way we live. Faith comes by hearing him speak. The way he speaks is widespread, but faith comes. What happens when, when the gospel is preached and people get saved? What happened? They didn't just hear a person communicate a good message. Something, someone spoke to their heart about the truth of the gospel and they responded to what God said. Faith came because God spoke. And, and there's this incredible thing that happens. Uh, well, before I go into that. Uh, no, I will go into that. There's this thing, uh, these stories in the Bible where... Um, Jesus goes into cities, and I'll read it to you. It's in Matthew 11. He says this profound thing. I'm in the wrong part. Matthew 11, verse 21, it says, or verse 20, it says, Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they, uh, they did not repent. Woe to you! I'm just going to call it chorizo. Chorizo. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And then later on down the verse it says, And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. He makes this incredible statement saying, you've seen the mighty acts, miraculous works of God. And yet you didn't repent. Now, I want to see the miraculous in this church, in this community. I believe God's miracle power in people's lives is something we should seek. That's the part of the full Christian experience to see the miraculous come from heaven to earth and just change people's lives. I fully believe in that. But Jesus was saying, if all you see is a miracle it won't necessarily guarantee a change of mind. You can see someone healed of a disease and somehow what you've seen can get lost 
and just your everyday thinking. And it just gets lost in, that was a cool experience I had once. But if we see the miraculous power of God, and then in Luke 4, when he, he quotes Isaiah, and it says, all those who were with him bore witness to him. Why? Because of what he said. Bore witness to him and the graciousness of his words. When God speaks to you, when God speaks to us, therein lies the power for our faith to grow. And one of the biggest distractions in life is we get busy doing things. And we want to make space to hear from God, but there's always a reason that we can't. And I understand that things get hectic, there's a lot of things to do. But if you look at the life of Jesus and the way he transformed people's lives, when he spoke the reality of the kingdom, it brought people into faith. And if you can get a culture where you see the miraculous power of God healing and blessing people's lives and you hear the spirit of God through his word and through people and the ways he speaks, speaks to people's hearts, that's what can birth faith. I want to encourage you, church, around faith. Maybe you've been a Christian 40 years. Maybe you've been a Christian four days. doesn't matter. Can I encourage you? Make space in your life and position yourself to let the Lord speak to you. Rest your mind. Say, I know we've got plenty of things going on. We're just going to let go of them for a moment. I just want to hear from my father because that's how I grow. I'll close shortly. The band can come up. But just a couple of people to ponder, a couple of stories to ponder. When Jesus was on the cross, he was beaten beyond recognition in more excruciating pain than we could ever imagine. He had every reason to hate everybody. He had every reason to reject God. He had every reason to say, this is not fair. But in a destitute, desperate, broken state, Jesus was still in faith. He even said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He was bleeding out, suffocating, being mocked, being beaten, with the weight of every sin possible that would ever exist on him. And in that despair, God looked at him and saw he's still in faith because he rested his mind in that reality and said, Father, regardless of what I'm feeling right now, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Have you ever despaired? Ever been in pain? Ever been desperate? Ever been confused? And in those moments, have you thought, oh, I'm supposed to have faith? Why don't I have faith? Where the enemies come and question whether or not you really have enough faith? Well, if you look at the life of Jesus on the cross, he can relate. And yet he was still in faith. I want to encourage you. Maybe, maybe life's going great. Fantastic. Maybe it's not. I want to encourage you. You're still in faith. Your faith is still intact. God's still speaking. He still wants to speak to you. He still wants you to hear from him. He can still develop you. You don't have to fix your scenario before he'll speak to you again. Because you're in faith. Because of Jesus. You ever looked at Daniel? He got promoted into this wonderful plate. You're going to get the king's delicacies. He gets favor. He gets educated. 
in a pagan society. And in his success and promotion, what did he do? He said, I'm going to spend three, three times every day. I'm going to turn to face the city of God. I'm going to pray and connect with my God. And what happened, he, he, he got manipulated and accused for doing nothing wrong, thrown into a lion's den for doing the right thing. And there's this incredible response in Daniel where the king's distraught because he loved Daniel but had to obey the law he set. And after a night in the lion's den, he comes out and says, Daniel, has your God spared you? And this is what Daniel says. You would think he'd go, I can't believe you threw me into this den. Yeah, I'm alive, but you're a douche. Like, why would you do this to me? What? I didn't do anything wrong. All I did was honor you. I, I praise my God, but I honored you all the time. This is what Daniel said. O king, live forever. The king who led the army to destroy his people and make him worship pagan gods, Daniel said to him, after he'd thrown him in the lion's den, O king, live forever. How did Daniel have that faith? He positioned himself to hear from God, which built a faith that caused him to rest in the almighty power of his God and decided that my commitment and my love for God, even though it can change a circumstance, will not be dictated to by what's going on around me because I trust that I can connect with him regardless. That's faith. To trust that we can rest in him because of Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you look in the, the pocket, a front pocket, a pocket in front of you, you'll see one of these. You don't have to take one, but you can. It's not a requirement we're putting on your hands. It's an invitation and a gift we hope for you. And written on there is that definition I shared earlier. Faith is a conviction causing motion in the direction of our hope. It's got that key verse, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we wanted to give, part of the vision was to promise to give tools and strategies that would invest into you experiencing the freedom that we have in Christ. And so it's got written there, stop and listen. It's not to say you're not listening already, but what we want to encourage you to do is in the middle of your day, not at the start, you can do it at the start and the end, but in the middle of your day, wherever you are, find a way just to stop yourself for a few minutes. And in prayer, like Daniel did, it says there, take a few minutes in the middle of your day and like Daniel, focus on God in prayer. We just want to invite you, church, in the very... Well, I, can, I can sit here and talk about faith and resting in God and resting your mind and building that, but we, we actually want to put something in your hand that hopefully will help empower you to do that, regardless of what's going on, where you work, what you're doing, how you feel. If we can invest into your freedom in Christ in this way to say, take a few moments... In the middle of your day, stop and just focus your attention on God in prayer and invite him to speak to you. And maybe one day you'll stop and no, I got nothing. And the next day got nothing. Next day, just keep positioning yourself to hear from the Lord. And our prayer is that he will speak to you in a way that continues to grow your faith. And to encourage you that there is a faith in your heart. There's a reality of God in your heart that we see and believe. We believe in the potential in every person here, whether you're three months old or nearly 100. We don't care. There is gold in you that God put there. And we want to see it continue to grow and flourish and be a blessing to your family and to this family. So this morning, I'm going to pray for you. Surely just that God would stir that faith in you and, and allow your mind to rest in the reality of him. Uh, before I do that, we like to, every week, 
give an invitation. I talked about Jesus on the cross. I talked about him taking sin on. And just to, if you're a Christian, you can pray in this moment. If you're not, it's, this is for you. When God first created us, we were in perfect union with him, perfect relationship. We had that communion with him. And then the enemy came and said, there's one thing you can do. Do that one thing God said to leave alone. You'll go one up on perfect. It'll be even better. And we were deceived, did that, and broke the relationship we had with God. We fell into this trap of thinking we could prove our own, our own worth. And, and, man, and God said, this is a problem because I created you to be with me and me to be with you in perfect relationship. And mankind thought, well, if God gives us this perfect law and we fulfill it, we'll earn our way back in. And God said, I can do that and it'll be a great law, but that's not the point. But here, have a law. And we tried to fulfill all these and we just added more things to make it harder and harder and actually made it worse. And God said, I've still got an issue because I want you back. And so I'll come down, put skin on. You'll call me Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Lived a perfect life, showed us what the kingdom of God was, showed us what love was. Then he got falsely accused, nailed to a cross, beaten beyond recognition. He bled out. The crazy thing was that when that happened, when he died on that cross, everything that would come between us and God died with him. And three days later, he rose again by the power of God. And the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to give that invitation if, if everyone could just close their eyes for 30 seconds. If that's you, you've heard the gospel and never responded, or that's the first time you've ever heard it, and something in your heart says, I want to know God like that for myself, put your hand up, I'll see it, you can put it down again. We're not going to call you to the front or anything like that. But if that's you, you want to know God for yourself, pop your hand up, I'll see it, you can put it down. I'm going to pray, but as I do, we're going to open up. Um, after the band play, feel free to go and grab a coffee, grab some lunch. You can do that uh, after I pray, but <clears throat> we're going to open up the front for prayer. And if, if you're someone who goes, I, I have a faith in God and I, I, I love him, or maybe you don't, maybe this is the first time you're exploring it, and you love some of our prophetic team and prayer team to pray with you, just to bless you, to hear from God and just to bless you with what he's speaking to you today. We'd love to open up. You can come forward. We'd love to do that for you and encourage you, even if it's just to get encouraged, come forward. We want to bless you, partner with you, and love you. But let me pray, and that's it from me. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that when you speak to our hearts, faith comes alive, that as we respond to you and your word, and we respond to your spirit, and as we respond to your love, faith comes alive. And I pray for every person here. I pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to add to their faith, that you would multiply their faith, that as we take time in the middle of our day or at any point, as we just go through our, our life, just thinking about you and turning our affection towards you, that you would speak to us so powerfully that faith would explode in our hearts, that the faith we have in Christ would become so real that we couldn't help but share it with other people and share how it infects every part of our life. Bless this people, I pray. Bless them with the fullness of who you are. Thank you for their hearts that love you, that bless you and long to know you. And I thank you that you answer those desires. In the wonderful, mighty, and powerful name of Jesus, amen. God bless you, church. Have a great day. Come on down for prayer if you'd like to.